a huddle is an online discipleship group. So it's led by a coach and it's usually got three, four or five people in it and, and you meet once a fortnight via something called Zoom, uh, which is like Skype, but it's just a bit better than Skype. And the process lasts for a year and through a mixture of kind of coaching and training and teaching and practicalities, have having a go, you go on this journey of really going deep into learning how to hear God, how to use the gift of prophecy, how to develop a prophetic culture in your church. And so not only is there the personal discipleship piece and not only is there really getting a biblical understanding of prophecy, but the design to be multipliable so that you gain the skills to pass things on to people. So Nathan's been in one of my huddles and Ave is currently in a huddle with my wonderful friend and, um, and work colleague, Kerry. And I've just wanted Ave just to share very briefly about some of your experience. Yes, I just can't recommend it enough. Um, Kerry, our coach, is amazing. Um, there are two young women from Sheffield who are there in the huddle, and now two from Harrogate, too. Um, and we started, as Kath has mentioned, um, with making our covenant statement. And that's how it began. And um, it's written down. And one of the things, I had a fresh revelation again, right at the beginning, about how God the Father actually likes me and that was a brilliant start to the whole thing um, and what I will say to you is don't let fear hold you back from going into it because um, this coaching is done in a very very safe environment and it's very strengthening and very very encouraging um, and I just cannot recommend it anymore. It's just absolutely brilliant. And it certainly stretches your prophetic muscles. But it's in a safe environment. So go for it. <laughs> oh, thank, thanks, Ave. Wonderful. And there's a sign-up sheet um, on the table in the foyer. I'm next... Friday lunchtime, I'm going to part on a free taster huddle. There's only about seven spaces, so it really is a case of, you know, if you get your name down first, you'll get on. But next Friday for an hour, I think we're starting at 12.30, uh, I'm going to do a free taster huddle for anybody whose name and email address is, is on, legible email address is, is on the sheet. Um, just to give you an experience of what a huddle's like in case you're thinking this is something that you'd, you'd like to jump in with. So, highly recommended. Great. Good. So, we are looking in this session, in, uh, leading up to lunch, the inward dimension of hearing God. So, um, now, this, let's see if we can get this to work. So, oh, it's not going to go back. Never mind. I'm sure you all remember the triangle. So, we had up, we had in, and we had out. So, we're thinking about the inward dimension of hearing God. So, not only hearing God for ourselves, but hearing God for other people. Hearing God in community. And basically, that's what prophecy is. Prophecy is hearing God for somebody else. So 
there's an extra dimension to prophecy because not only are we hearing God, but we're then communicating. We're, we're speaking out what we think God is saying. And so we're going to be exploring the gift of prophecy. We're going to be exploring the biblical background. We're also going to be having a go in a very safe environment. It's useful. Oh, right. If we could, let's go back to, there we go. It's useful making this distinction, as I said earlier, between hearing God for ourselves and hearing God for other people. And we will find usually one easier than another. It's interesting, I come across quite a lot of people who are very busy in ministry, they love praying for people, and they find it very easy to hear God for other people but they never somehow make the space or they're never able to hear God for themselves. Whereas there are some people who love this end of the spectrum. You know, they find it very easy to hear God for themselves. They've got this constant dialogue going on with God. But the thought of hearing God for somebody else is pretty terrifying. So, you know, we, we might be in different places on that spectrum, and it's perfectly normal to find one easier than the other, but today is about growing in all sorts of areas. So, for this session, we're thinking about the gift of prophecy, hearing God for other people. Now, the gift of prophecy, it's a very important gift that God has given the church. And... I, I love the fact that there's a community element to hearing God. I think it's really important that we need other people. <laughs> um, you know, particularly for those of us who've maybe got a bit of a loner streak and we, we, you know, we'd much rather just do things by ourselves. It's important that sometimes we need other people to hear God for us um, because we are part of the body. We have to recognize when we start talking about prophecy, and I'll be honest with you, I go to some churches where it's like prophecy is a dirty word. Um, you know, you can talk about prayer, you can talk about listening prayer, but if you say the P word, people start to get very anxious and very nervous. And actually, sometimes you just have to be wise about those situations. So, you know, sometimes I'll go to a church and I'll just talk about listening prayer because that's where that, that, that church are, are at. You know, it's all the same thing. But yeah, we have to be aware that prophecy is sometimes quite a controversial word. It comes with baggage, doesn't it? Uh, it sometimes comes with a shaky reputation. We've probably seen times where it's been badly handled, badly taught. Some of us may have had bad experiences of prophetic ministry, perhaps unaccountable, judgmental prophetic ministry. And one of the things I'm very aware of as I work with a number of church leaders around the world is that, you know, I, I think of, of a church in New Zealand um, where, where I know the church leader. And he's a very prophetic man. He would love to really release the prophetic in his church. But his church have had such a negative history around an immature prophetic ministry in the past. You know, the type of prophetic ministry which was probably just centered about around one or two unaccountable individuals. It was a lot about judgment, you know, that created a lot of issues in the church. So he actually had to shut down the prophetic ministry for a season 
and then restart it from a much healthier place. So, you know, I, I know that prophecy is sometimes controversial. And all too often, there are two extremes in, in the church, you know, around the world. So one extreme is we don't want anything to do with it. It's too difficult. It's too tricky. It's easier just to ignore it. So we don't want anything to do with it. That's, that's the zero extreme. The other end, the other extreme is the kind of over-the-top Anything goes, no accountability, no teaching, no protocol, no guidelines, you know, just and anything goes. And that's where people get damaged and hurt, you know. And, and I don't like either extreme. What I do believe is that there's a middle ground. There's a place where the gift of prophecy can be welcomed, where it can be exercised with maturity, with humility, and with real transformative power but where it's done safely, it's done sensibly, um, but it is, it's a mature expression. And I believe with all my heart that there's a place, a middle ground that, that we can get to. And that's what I'm doing as I work with churches around the world, helping them get to that place. Now, um, when we read the New Testament, we see that the gift of prophecy is... Oh, good. A, a vital gift really endorsed by Paul. So I've, I've just put um, some key verses on the screen that just remind us of this. And, you know, when we've got that hat on of, yeah, we want a holistic, mature, biblically-based ministry to grow in our church, we can read these verses with enthusiasm. So, you know, Acts 2.17, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, of course, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are probably the, the, the main bit in Paul's letters where he's talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, 12, 17, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. These are good gifts given for the common good. And actually, that, that provides a means by which we can helpfully kind of weigh and test things. Because if, if we see the prophetic is any way not working for the common good, then, you know, that's just a little warning sign, isn't it? The, these gifts are not given for our own benefit. They're given for everybody to serve and bless everybody. And then 1 Corinthians 14 one and three, follow the way of love. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is plonked right in the middle of Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts. That's not an accident. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Especially prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So, this gift is very much endorsed by Paul. And it has so much potential for good. Eagerly desire, especially prophecy. We might worry about getting it wrong. We might worry that if we step out and try and listen to God for somebody else, that we'll get it wrong. But what about the danger of not listening and sharing? 
what actually at the end of the day is the greater risk? Think of those times in your life when perhaps you've been going through a challenging situation where you've been in a tough place. How much would you have valued somebody giving you a crystal clear and razor sharp word straight from the Father's heart? You know, I, from time to time, you know, having a bit of a challenging day and I think, oh, I'd just love it if somebody would text me a spot on prophecy right now. Would somebody would text me a word of encouragement. Somebody would phone me up and say, Kath, I was just praying for you today and I really felt God wants to say this to you. You know, these are, this is a good gift to go after. You know, so think, think of somebody that you love and care for at the moment who's maybe going through a really tough time. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could reach right into the Father's heart and in that place hear a word which will be exactly what they need to hear today, which would strengthen them, which would encourage them, which would bring them hope and would draw them closer to their Father God. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's the greatest risk? Stepping out, maybe making a few mistakes or not stepping out and not giving that word of life which somebody really needs to hear today. This gift is for strengthening, encouraging and comforting people and it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. So let's just dial back a little bit and... Um, and make sure we're clear about what we mean by prophecy. So first of all, what prophecy is not? Prophecy is not speaking in a strange voice or a very loud one with archaic language. <laughs> prophecy is not predicting the future. Even though most secular dictionaries define it in that way. I'll come back to that in a moment. Prophecy is not judging people for their sins. And prophecy is not a mandate to speak with no accountability. So it's good just to remind ourselves what prophecy is not. What prophecy is? Prophecy is making known the heart, mind and intention of God. So it's sharing the Father's heart with people. It's connecting people with the Father's heart. It doesn't always have to involve words. You know, we can be prophetic through our actions, through the way we live our lives, for the way we love and care for people, for the way that we perhaps stand up for righteousness and justice. What matters is that we're revealing the Father's heart. If we're doing that, then we're being prophetic. I think one of the most prophetic things we do as a church, actually, um, is, is our Restore Ministry, which works with the, basically the, the last, the least, and the lost in Sheffield, you know, the vulnerable people, the people on the margins of society, because we are demonstrating the Father's heart to our city. There can sometimes be a future element to the prophetic. You know, sometimes we will hear words about people's future direction, God's call on their lives, and that's important. But a lot of the time, prophecy is speaking into the here and now. So it isn't always about the future. 
what it does, it gives us insights into situations and brings the here and now word of God into the place where we're at. I love this quote from Chris Vallotton. Chris Vallotton is, is based over in, in Bethel in the United States. And this is, what, how, this is how he describes prophecy. The gift of prophecy is the ability to find treasure in the middle of the dirt of people's lives. Jesus is looking for treasure, not dirt. It's not about spotting the dirt, but asking God for the answer to the dirt. I love that. It's so countercultural, isn't it? You know, everything in the world around us wants to tell us how, how, how we're not clever enough, we're not beautiful enough, we're not sporty enough, we're not tall enough, you know, we're not thin enough. There's so much that speaks to the dirt in the world around us. The true prophetic, it looks right into people, sees the God-given treasure and speaks to that, that it might come, come, um, come up and, and be released. So we have to always be treasure seekers looking for the God-given treasure. And um, prophecy, it's also important with the prophetic that we recognize we're not talking about an Old Testament model of prophecy you know we are people of the new and better covenant we I, I love reading the old testament prophets we can learn a lot from them but we cannot base them as a role model our primary role model is jesus and as paul writes in in corinthians our ministry it's a ministry of reconciliation not judgment you know post the cross new covenant it's the ministry of reconciliation so we do not use the prophetic to go around judging people we 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 pursue a new testament model of prophecy and it's a gift for everyone it's a gift for everyone you know paul says eagerly desire eagerly desire especially prophecy it's a gift for everybody it's a gift that that we can all learn to use and it's something that can be part of your spiritual toolkit. You know, no matter how we're shaped, no matter what our gifts are, we can all have the gift of prophecy in our spiritual toolkit because it's so useful. You know, whatever we're doing, whether in business, in teaching, in church ministry, pastoral ministry, having that gift in your toolkit is brilliant. It's, um, you know, I, I, I love the prophetic ministry. I love... I love listening to God for people because when I do that, it's like I get glimpses. I get glimpses of the very heart of God and his compassion for people and his transformative agenda for, for people, for situations, for communities. Anyway, I think one of the best ways we can teach about prophecy is to demonstrate it. So I'm going to get Nathan and Ave um, to, to come to the front. And we would love a volunteer. Now, all you have to do, if you're going to be the volunteer, all you have to do is, is stand here and get blessed. So Nathan and Ave are going to have a go at listening to God for you. So who'd, who'd like just to receive some words of it? There must be somebody who'd like, wonderful. Great, if you would come and stand here. Great. What's your name? Helen. Helen. Helen, if you stand here, and Ave, if you stand next to her, here. Great. 
Now, um, we're just going to demonstrate the gift of prophecy in action. So we don't need a drum roll. We don't need some lovely background worship music. You know, the Holy Spirit's here. He's already talking. It's really normal and easy. So um, I'm going to uh, get Nathan and Ave to listen to God for... It's Helen, isn't it? That's what... Yeah, Helen. And the first instruction I am going to give Nathan and Ave is... Are you rested? You know, are, are you are you in a place of rest and peace? Because we, we don't want any striving. And if you don't get anything, that is absolutely fine. I don't want you to strive to hear. I want you to rest to hear. So actually, if you don't get anything, that's quite a good, helpful teaching point. So, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate not, not hearing, we'll celebrate hearing. And... Um, what I want Nathan and Ave to do, I'm going to give them a, I'll pray in a moment and give, give them a little bit of quiet and you can all join in, you know, if you get anything for Helen, just write it down. But we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit, the spirit of revelation, and we're going to see what he says. How does he want to encourage Helen today? And then they, they're going to share it. And then we're going to unpack it a little bit and just find out what the process is like. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for Helen. Thank you that you absolutely love her. Thank you that she's here today. Thank you for all the incredible things that are in your heart for Helen. And thank you that right now, um, Nathan and Ave just get to be an empty channel of your love and power to flow through. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you bring your revelation? Thank you, Lord. So we'll just have a little bit of quiet. Yeah, do you want to just just share whatever you got? Helen, um, I see an open door. And through the door, there's bright light shining. And I know the Father's heart. I sense the Father's heart for you. He's proud of you because he knows that deep within you, he has given you this gift of being an overcomer. Wonderful. Right, we're going to unpack that, Ave, because, you know... um, People sitting and watching and listening, I mean, that sounds incredible. What a wonderful word of prophecy. But we want to know what, what went on. So first of all, you say you see a door, an, an open door. So how, is that internal? Is it external? Are you just seeing it in your mind's eye? I'm just seeing it in my mind's eye. And it's just this door. And what I'm focusing on is what is beyond that door. And the bright light. Sure. And did this picture come to you fully formed or did it emerge? Fully formed. Fully fully formed. formed. Is it in colour? Is it in black and white? Um, No, no. It's sort of, yeah, there's like the brown door and then the bright light. Fantastic. So we would say, well, that's the revelation, that, that that's the picture. How did you then get a sense of what it means? How did you get to that place where you're getting clarity about what God is saying in regard to that picture? Um, it's thinking about it a little bit more. And I think connecting with the Father's heart too. Um, so I see hope. To me, that bright light is signifying hope. So would you describe it? It's like you just know that you, you, you've seen the picture and then you kind of 
know that that's what yeah. God is saying through it. So yeah, it, it's a knowing. It's yeah. a spirit knowing. Yeah. yeah. So two different types of revelation going on here. There's the visual. There's the picture. And then there's that that knowing. And that that's very much how how I operate in the prophetic. I'll start with a picture, and then I'll kind of know what what it means, what I need to say. So okay, fantastic, Nathan. So, um, so I'm seeing uh, that you're somebody who likes to get their feet wet in certain things. <laughs> it's interesting. So, this image I have of you standing on um, some boards with some water coming up to your feet. So, I just feel that you're somebody who definitely likes to get their feet wet and, and try different things and uh, and do that. But then I'm also seeing these images of um, of wings, angelic kind of wings behind you. I think that's God. Um, Encouraging you and reminding you that you know he's he's got your back as you do these things. That he's there's a real strength there, strength, spiritual strength there. Um, and then the next bit was a few on like a crow's nest kind of on a ship, you know, really high up, and you had binoculars. And then you're looking out, and I just feel that God is, and this is an extraordinary high crow's nest, much higher than normal. And I just feel that God is raising you above. Um, Lots of different things, lots of different ideas and concepts and things, and allowing you to see clearly uh, where he wants to show you. And and you're there, somebody looking out and actually being able to see quite clearly, quite specifically what he wants to show you. So that's what I feel God is doing. Thanks, Nathan. So tell us a little bit. So you've described various visual images. Tell us how they came to you and how you kind of know that that's God giving you a picture. So, um, so as I was praying for Helen, um, I was looking, um, and so I saw the first images of the water and the wings, like there, sort of on her, just in my mind's eye still, um, but just on her. And um, they came as they were, and then I was asking God about them, I was saying, you know, uh, God, uh, what, do you, what are you saying about this? Uh, I'm looking for the peace as well, if there's a peace about it. Um, and if there isn't, then, then I won't go any further, but if there is, then I'll keep, keep going and ask God what's about, what it's about. And then... Um, later on, as I was um, continuing to pray, another image then started to form of her in the crow's nest. Um, and um, a different kind of image, more of a panoramic kind of image. And again, I was asking God about the piece about that. And then then I tried to interact with it. So I went around the image, as, as it were. I tried to turn it around and see what else is happening. And then I could see she was having binoculars and, and looking through those. And that's generally how it was working for me. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that sense of, um, do I have peace about this? I think I'm seeing a picture from God. Does it come with that deep peace? And if it does, brilliant. If it doesn't, you know, great. And and how do you work out what God's saying through it? So you, you've said that you ask him a question, you get a picture, you then ask, Lord, what does it mean? And and how, how do you get the sense of what it means? Yeah, so... Um yeah, it is. It is a matter of conversation. I think um, at its simplest, you know, I'm asking God questions. I'm asking what it means. I'm listening back, and I guess I'm done feeling it a bit like you do. It's sort of, it's feeling, getting a sense of what it means. I'm not hearing additional words usually. It's just I'm just getting a sense of what it means. Um, and for instance, with the wings, I was in in my mind's eye, sort of interacting with them as well, lifting them up, and then asking God, you know. What's there, the bit, and I felt the the, the white that was there. I was talking about the angelic, the the power of it, rather than um, any other interpretation. You know that it would mean it was just, I guess, interacting with the image seems to get more clarity for me, and and that's how it's working. Yeah. Well, Helen, have those prophecies encouraged you today? <laughs> great, great. Well, thank you for being. 
is a reason I come here. I'm suffering from Parkinson. I've been asking for God's miracle healing for a long, long time. And somehow this morning, I got the blessing. And I have to be here somehow to prove the, as a testimony for God's love for us. Keep going, keep going. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you so much. You can sit down now. And, and the prophecies have been recorded, so um, that's, that's great. Thank you, Nathan and Ave. Wonderful. Great. So it's good just to not only see the gift of prophecy in action, but actually to dig down a little bit and find out what, what is going on. What is going on. And um, so I hope you found that a helpful exercise. Now then, get the next slide. Oh. Could we get the next slide on, if possible? There we go. So, um, just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the three parts of the prophetic process. And we've, we've pretty much seen a lot of that in action just now. This is really simple, but we, we need to remember that any prophecy is made up of three parts. So there's the... <laughs> Shall I have another go with... Oh, don't we just love technology? When it works, it's amazing. When it doesn't, it's... Um... Well, anyway, it, only, it just says revelation, interpretation, application on it. Yeah, if you scroll through, yeah. That's it. Brilliant. Okay, three very important words that we all need to remember. So, um, revelation, that's the raw data. So, we start the process of listening to God. God starts to talk to us. And revelation is the raw data. So, it could be a picture. It could be some words. It could be a dream. It could be a sense, it could be God reminds us of a passage of scripture. You know, there's all sorts of different ways the revelation might come to us. Um, but that's the first part of the process, revelation. The second part, interpretation, what does it mean? What does it mean? So I'm seeing a picture of a banana. What does it mean? That's the interpretation. And then application is, well, it, if this is what God's saying, what are we going to do about it? What does my response need to be? And all three parts are really important. And most of the problems, most of the controversy, most of the issues around prophetic ministry are not actually because of poor revelation. Most problems are to do with interpretation, poor interpretation, because probably the easiest mistake to make when we're, not even when we're just starting out in prophecy, you know, the, the easiest mistake to make with prophecy is that we jump to conclusions and we put our own interpretation on the revelation. It's such an easy mistake to make. 
And we have to remember that we need the Holy Spirit as much for interpretation and application as we do for revelation. And as, as I was saying, I, th- I honestly think that if, we, if we're in the right place with God, if we're resting, if our hearts are full of love, um, you know, if we're focused on Jesus and we ask for revelation, I, I believe that most of the time we will get Holy Spirit-inspired revelation. But then we get excited and we jump to conclusions and we think, well, I'm seeing this, it must mean that. And that's where we make mistakes. I was visiting um, a church up in Northallerton a, a few weeks ago, and it's Glen, uh, Glen's church. Yep. And I was speaking there on a Sunday, and Glenn had encouraged me to, this is the pastor, he'd encouraged me to bring a prophecy for the church, to, to uh, speak out to the church on the Sunday morning. So I spent some time, you know, praying and listening to God, um, and God gave me a picture of a rainbow. It was actually kind of a chunk, a segment of a rainbow. Now, I could have, and I very nearly did, I could have assumed, well, rainbows mean hope, don't they? God's got a word about hope for this church. But I, you know, I paused and said, no, I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm going to give some time to really seek the Holy Spirit about what this uh, picture means. And... As I prayed, it was something completely different. It was about um, full-spectrum mission and ministry. Um, you know, so it's very different. And it was just you know, a reminder to me that we, we need the Holy Spirit to work out what these things mean. So interpretation is very, very important, but we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And application, what are we going to do about it? You know, a lot of the time, that's where we need other people to come and help. You know, if, if you feel God is giving you quite a significant word that would maybe shape your future, don't try and do all three steps by yourself. Involve other people. Process it with other people. Help other people to work out what God is really saying. Great. Now, we are going to, we're all going to have a go now. So... What I want you to do is to get into groups of three and ideally with people that you don't know very well. So we'll have to do a bit of shuffling around. And the reason I say that is because the hardest people to hear God for are your best friends and your spouses and your children. You know, because we have agendas for people like that. The easiest people to hear God for are complete strangers because we don't know anything about them. So really quickly, can you do a bit of shuffling around and get into threes with people that you don't know very well? If you're somebody who knows everybody, just (laughs) the people you know the least would be best. I'm going to talk you through the process. So if you just kind of keep in step with, with me. And the first thing you need to do is decide which, who's going to be listened for first. So who's going to be prayed for and listened for first. So just decide. Everybody's going to get a go. So who, who wants to go first in terms of being listened for? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. And a real practical point. Um, we, 
first rule of prophecy is write it down or get your smartphone out and record it. So please do have that discipline of either making notes or recording prophecies because if you're anything like me, you'll have somebody will give you an amazing prophecy one day and then the next day you'll have forgotten half of it. So we want to get into that habit of recording things. So um, are going to be actively listening to God and we're just going to ask the Lord a simple question. How do you want to encourage this person today? I'm going to lead you through it all. But just a reminder that often it's the first little thing that pops into our heads, you know, that, and it may not make sense. But just go with it. If you've got a sense of peace, just go with it and see how the Holy Spirit develops it. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for this person. Lord, thank you that you have created them, that you love them, that you have so many good things to say to them. And Holy Spirit, we, we need you right now. So would you come with your prophetic gifts? And as we seek to be empty vessels, would you show us the words of life you want to give to this person right now? Come Holy Spirit, we do this from a place of rest and peace and love. Okay, so we'll have a couple of minutes quiet. Just tune into the Holy Spirit. Just lean into him. You to share whatever you got. Um, we'll have a sort of two or three minutes to do this, so we need to be fairly quick. And if, if you didn't get an interpretation, don't worry. Just share the revelation, you know, the picture, the word. If you don't know what it means, don't worry. Share it anyway. And the gift of prophecy. I... I, I have, you know, a stock of questions that I will use. So questions that might be simple, something as simple as, what do you really love about this person? Father, what's particularly on your heart for this person today? Uh, what gifts have you placed in them? Who have you made them to be? What's next for them? All these sorts of questions that just help us to tune in a little bit more, just help maybe to sharpen our hearing. So Please feel free to ask God questions about the people we're listening for. Now, just on the run-up to lunch, um, want to talk a little bit about how we do this with maturity. How can we prophesy well? You know, we, we've we've said a little bit already about some of the potential issues around the prophetic and how it's easy for people to get hurt. You know, we, we have to create a healthy culture, a healthy prophetic um, culture. We, we, we have to create safe places for ministry. It's a very powerful gift prophecy. It's a very powerful gift. It has incredible potential for good, but we have to do it in a safe, mature way. And for me, as somebody who heads up the prophetic ministry at, at my church, I, I live in a place of tension, really, because on the one hand, I really want to grow prophecy. I want, I want to release as many people as possible into the gift, but I want to keep it really safe so that nobody gets hurt or damaged by it. So how do we do it? Well, I love these verses from 1 Thessalonians Five. So do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. 
test everything, hold on to the good. There's an awful lot of wisdom in those little verses. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. So, you know, we honour him. We develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, we all have this incredible invitation to a life of deep fellowship and friendship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes it all happen. So we, we want to create a culture in our churches where he is so welcome, where he's honoured, where we are not quenching him at all. In fact, we are, we're fanning the flames because we want more and more of him. <clears throat> Do not treat prophecies with contempt. I actually think there's two ways we can do this. We can, we can treat prophecies with contempt by not wanting anything to do with them. You know, that zero approach that I talked about earlier. Or we can treat prophecies with contempt by getting really blasé about them. So, you know, and to be honest, that's a bit of a danger. Our church, we, we're a very prophetic church. There's a lot of prophecy around. So people can just become a little bit blasé. You know, yeah, somebody's given me a nice word today. I might write it in my journal, but I'm not going to really do anything about it. You know, this is the very word of God. You know, this is the almighty God speaking into our lives. We, 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 we should not treat them with contempt test everything. The New Testament's very clear that, that we should weigh and test prophecy um, and hold on to the good. So if we think this is God speaking to us, we hold on to it. We allow that word to shape and transform our life. And there's, there's a great need for prophetic ministry um, to be a ministry of real integrity. While, you know, mistakes are inevitable. As, as we're releasing a church, as we're releasing a body into the prophetic gifts, we will make mistakes. That's fine. But that doesn't mean we should shut down their ministry. You know, if somebody who was learning the gift of preaching made the odd little mistake the first time they preached on a Sunday, you wouldn't say to them, right, that's it, you're never going to speak in church again, because you'd recognise that they're learning, they're developing their skills. It's the same with the gift of prophecy. So we will make mistakes, but that doesn't mean we should shut down people's ministry. We just provide a safe place where people can, can learn to grow. And let's see if I can get this to work. There we go. Just very quickly... Five aspects of maturity in the prophet, you know, in the prophetic. That's what we're aiming for: maturity, a mature expression of the gift and ministry. First of all, love. Follow the way of love. Spiritual gifts, at the end of the day, are vehicles for God's love, and love is the fundamental um, motive for our ministry. It's the fundamental value that we minister for. The prophetic without love can end up in a place of control and manipulation. Um, so we have to make sure our hearts are in the, in the right place, whether we're listening to God for our church, listening to God for each other. You know, am I doing this from a place of love? And then serve. As, um, as it says in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. All the gifts of the Spirit are used to serve people. You know, we, we've worked very hard at our church to um, 
particularly within the prophetic, to develop a culture of servant-heartedness. You know, I, I, I say it all the time. We're here to serve people through our prophetic gifts. It's not about us. We're just an empty vessel, an empty channel. It's about serving people. Good practice. So, you know, these are kind of like the do's and don'ts, the, the, the protocol that we need. Um, it's about trusting the peace of God. We've already talked about the value of the peace of God. So, you know, if you have any sense of unease, any, any lacking peace, just, you know, don't open your mouth. Just take it back to God and, and pray it through. Trust the peace of God. And similarly, if somebody's prophesying over you, if the result of that prophecy is to make you feel uneasy, make you feel disturbed, anxious, frightened, it's probably not God. As I said earlier, you know, the voice of God is kind. It might be firm, but it's kind. So trust the peace of God. Um, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't put your own interpretation on things. Um, yeah, be cautious with very directional words. There's that well-known phrase, you know, no, no, no mates, no dates, no babies. What was the other one? Um, and anyway, but you know, don't generally speaking, don't go around prophesying dates or marriages or babies. You know, that's just good basic protocol. And um, and, and and be accountable. You know, make sure you're accountable for your ministry. Make sure you're rooted in community with accountable relationships. So they're all just basic good practice, you know. And as a church, you can work out what do we want our protocol to look like? What do we want our guidelines to look like? In our church, we, we spent quite a long time putting together a list of guidelines for prophetic ministry in our church. Then just really quickly, so weigh, you know, we weigh everything. Um, we test everything. That's really, really important. We want a culture of weighing and testing and discernment. And then finally, response. So a mature prophetic culture is where people know how to respond well, where they do the application part well, where we, we allow God's words to shape us and change us. Everything that God says to us has the potential for transformation if we if we take it seriously if we do what god says as we allow those words to shape our lives there's some there's some there's a lovely verse in jeremiah 15 jeremiah 15 verse 16 when your words came i ate them they were my joy and my heart's delight just this sense of Jeremiah valuing the words of God so much that he, you know, he digested them, he assimilated them, he, he allowed them to change him and shape him. So we need to become good responders. And, uh, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, And just, just before we go to lunch, I'll just share something of, of, of my own journey in, in the prophetic. So I've, I've done this two or three times, but you will grow to the extent that you practice. You know, you can read books, you can go to workshops and conferences, but unless you're practicing the gift, you won't actually grow very much, which is why, you know, whenever I do something like today, we always have a practical aspect of it. And so, you know, I'm hungry to grow. I'm hungry to grow, grow in the prophetic. So what I did in Lent this year... Uh, the 40 days of Lent, I, 
gave somebody a prophetic word every day. Most of the time I texted or emailed or messaged them, but I just went, that little discipline, that little journey of asking God for a prophetic word for somebody every day. So how it worked practically, I would just, you know, the, the sacrifice was I had to kind of create a bit of space every day to do it. So I'd ask the Lord, who am I listening for? He would give me the name. And then I would have some space to really listen for the person, really dig deep, ask God lots of questions, and then either text it or email it or, or message it. And um, I managed pretty much every day. There was one day, I think, when I wasn't feeling very well or I was really, really busy, but pretty much ev every day. And what you find when you go on a journey like that is, is it is like exercising your muscles. You know, if you spent 40 days doing press-ups, you'd be able to do more press-ups at the end of that 40 days than you could at the beginning or, you know, any kind of exercise like that. And I just found, as I went through those 40 days, I was getting more confident, it was getting clearer, getting sharper. And I'm somebody who, you know, I spend a lot of my time in prophetic ministry, so it's not like I'm not used to it. But for me and my journey, going on that discipline every year, every couple of years is really, really helpful. Um, so, you know, as we go into lunch, I guess a question is, something that we can think about is, what would it look like for you to be exercising your prophetic muscles? Where do you need to find a place where you can practice? Find your safe place. Is it in your small group? Is it in, in your worship group? Um, is it in your family? But what would it look like for you to really start to exercise your prophetic muscles? Jesus, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you've um, been at work. And Lord, as we go into our time of lunch, uh, we just anticipate your fellowship with us. And thank you for the food that we are about to eat. Amen. Wonderful. Graham, do you anything you want to say?